Thanks for downloading this message from Devoted, the Christ Central Festival for all the family. Christ Central is part of New Frontiers, and our distinctives are made up of four priorities. Being friends enjoying God together, building churches empowered by word and spirit, advancing the kingdom transforming the world, and reaching nations making disciples. Devoted is just one event, but you can find out more about Christ Central and other training opportunities at ChristCentralChurches.org. For more about Devoted, please visit DevotedEvent.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. It's my particular joy to introduce to you a very good friend of mine, Lee Yarbrough. You've already met him. Lee, I believe, is going to bring the Word of God to us in power. So why don't we welcome Lee as he brings the Word of God. Thanks, Lee. Again, it is wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having us here with you and receiving us so warmly. Um, it is great to be here with my wife. I will give you a very, very quick introduction uh, about ourselves. My, I grew up in uh, Southern California, down by the beach. I used to be a beach kind of a person, a non-Christian background. Uh, so I went up to Alaska after school uh, when I was done studying, and I used to be a roughneck. I used to work in the oil fields uh, of Alaska, out in the ocean on oil platforms, Uh, For several years, my father was a vice president of an oil company. And there in a little town of about 250 people, uh, a church that had about 20 people in it at the time, uh, that's where the Lord got a hold of me, got a hold of my life. uh, And that's where things began to change. I didn't change right away. There's a big story behind that. But after I came back to the Lord many years later, I really felt to... To study, I really felt that the Lord was calling us, or calling myself at the time to Mexico. I was still single, and uh, so I had a roommate, a flatmate, and my now wife had a flatmate. She lived about four and a half hours away in the city of Anchorage, and so the flatmates arranged a date for my wife and I. We met on a blind date. Um, yes, thank you. And so we went out to a Mexican restaurant. And that night with our friends, and so we ended up getting married and moving to Mexico. And as I told the singles today, I do believe in prophetic dating. It's all good. Uh, And so my wife and I got married in 1983. My wife is born in Alaska, actually. She's from Alaska. And we married in 1983. We had our first child in 1984, our first son. And we were sent by a church in Alaska down to Mexico way back in 1985. So we've been in Mexico 31 years. That's why I say we're kind of Mexican, even though we don't look like it. And uh, we now have four boys. The three other boys were born in Mexico. So our children range in age age from 32 years of age, 29, 27, um, and 21. Okay? Two are still single, as I told some of the young ladies today, so we can talk after the meetings. So that's fine. Weekends can be exciting times. This weekend can be a very important time for many of us, if not all, in this room this evening. Many times, if you have a work, if you have a workplace environment, 
on a Monday morning, people come back into the office or to wherever they're working, to the school, and everything revolves about what happened over the weekend. Well, what did you do? Where did you go? What happened? Tell us, tell us the incidents and, and what happened. So tonight we're going to talk about a weekend or talk about a story within the weekend. And I say it's a high drama weekend. It was a weekend where Jesus had been ministering for three and a half years. He'd been teaching. He'd been preaching the kingdom, obviously. He went around doing good He did many miracles as well. And there's also in the background all kinds of chatter and talk about who he really was. What he was doing and also how he was going about doing these things. You have a group of disciples, you have a last supper, you have a person named Judas who's agreeing to betray Jesus. You have Jesus himself praying about all of these things. You have a prediction of Peter's denial, which actually I spoke about this morning with the young people. Jesus is arrested. Peter fulfills what Jesus had said he was going to do in denying Jesus in front of all. There was a mock trial, basically, an exchange of a murderer, Barabbas, for Jesus himself. You have a crucifixion and a burial. Wow. All that happened in a weekend. It was in a very emotional time. Many things were happening. Many things that many would just say, this is almost too much to understand. Then you have some women that head, after all this has happened, they head for a tomb with spices to anoint a dead body. And what they actually were expecting to find within this tomb was a body. They weren't expecting not to find Jesus there. They went with the full intent and purpose of finding him there. And we'll be reading some scriptures out of Luke chapter 24, but in verse 4 it says, While they were wondering about this, about an empty tomb and a body not being there, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Once again, it's a pretty important time. It says, in their fright. No, I don't know what you would do if two gleaming glowing angels kind of suddenly appeared and wanted to talk to you. But you can understand, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. And there's an important phrase, remember how he told you? Do you remember what he had actually said? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. So they come back from the tomb as the text follows. And they told all these things to the 11 and the others. It's Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother, the mother of James. And the others with them who told this to all the apostles who weren't at the tomb. They were staying still where they were at. And they said they did not believe the women. There is a really good marriage life zone going on this weekend. So maybe some of us guys should be there. Just kidding. But it says they did not believe the women because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Are we getting the picture of this weekend and everything that's kind of happening? But Peter, however, gets up, goes to the tomb, bends over, sees the strips of linen themselves, and he went away, Peter, wondering... 
to himself what had happened. And so this is, to me, in, in this story, is such a wonderful story. I can relate, I think, to a lot of this. And we'll pick up the story. We'll read some scripture now, and then we'll make comments. We have three main points to talk to or talk about tonight. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. It says, Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discoursed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's now the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked him, or they asked one another, were not our hearts burning Within us, while we talked with us, or when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus recognized by them was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Father, we're here tonight because of you. Teach us. Lord, grant us eyes to see and ears to hear. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus. Lead us and guide us into all truth tonight. Let it do us well that we've been here this evening. In your name, amen. These two were going home. It was over for them. We have to capture the moment. Things that had happened hadn't gone according to plan, or at least maybe according to their plan. They had an idea of what they were looking for, and it didn't actually happen that way. And yes, they had been with Jesus. They'd been with him, and they heard everything that was about to happen. It wasn't a secret to them. And as they're walking along the road, they're talking about everything. 
They were talking about the cross. They were talking about suffering. They were talking about a report of an empty tomb. Did they have a few questions? They most certainly did. Of everything that had happened, the question maybe is, why did it turn out this way? We didn't expect this to happen this way. Where's the body? We didn't see this coming. Now what? Their future. What did the future maybe hold for them? And their question could have been, is there a future for the nation of Israel itself, which they were looking for? Or maybe more specifically, is there a future for me? Not only a future for a nation, but is there a future for me? Here we are. What about ourselves? Here we are. At times, we might have had or do have many similar questions regarding our own lives, regarding our own families, regarding ministries, if you're involved in some kind of ministry in the church, or church leaders, if we're here tonight. The issue wasn't really so much the facts that they had in their minds. They understood certain facts of things because they'd heard about it all. But really the issue was in their heart. It wasn't just about some kind of a head knowledge. It was more about an issue of the heart and a need for real fresh understanding of everything that had transpired and to also understand that God was still at work in this very instance. J.I. Packer says about revival, revival is when God does something new in you that you can't do for yourself. Revival is something that happens within you, or when God does something in you, that you cannot do for yourself. Spurgeon says similarly about this text in particular, it's to rekindle into flame the spark that was nearly, not totally, but nearly extinguished. All of us, if you are a believer here tonight, maybe some of you are not, but those of us that are believers here tonight, we have experienced regeneration, yes. But we do need to have revival at times within our heart and within our soul. Asking God, and I would ask you to, for this tonight, to do something new in me tonight, Lord. Renew a hunger in my heart, Lord, for you. Ignite once again the embers that have gone dim. Do what I cannot do for myself. Well, these two, the two men walking back home, they were sad. They were deeply saddened. They were deeply troubled of things that had happened. And they were really disillusioned, confused, disappointed, and probably, well, obviously, a bit scared as well. Sound familiar? Anybody here like that? At times. We heard about it prophetically tonight, Andy, your word, as you all say, was spot on. Okay, tonight. They are in real crisis. We can't underestimate the crisis that these two really are in. They're in the depths of despair. We see it from the other side, of course. But at the moment, at the time... They were in huge crisis. And as they're talking along the road, you can see them. Their face is downcast. 
It's like after losing the football final. They're walking off the pitch. They're heading home. And Jesus comes up. I love it. And he walks alongside them, but he was, they were kept from recognizing him. It's, kind of div- it's called a divine passive in theology, where obviously the person who could do something about God himself decides not to. It's a divine passive. So he's the one who's the cause of them not seeing him at the time. But I would be, I think, this is how I am. Now, you don't know me. This is how Lee is from Southern California. The Mexican from Southern California. I would say, hey, I'm here now. Everything will be okay. But Jesus doesn't do that. He walks beside them and he asks the question, what is it? As if he didn't know. He says, what are you discussing together as you walk along with their faces still downcast? And he's kind of like stopped dead in their tracks. And I I can just see myself there. And they turn to him and they would say like, really? Really? You don't, you don't know you've been here all week and you have no clue. There was thousands of people gathered. You don't know what is taking place or what has taken place here this weekend. You really don't know that. And they start to say, they start to tell Jesus the story about himself. They actually did know everything that had transpired. He was a prophet, powerful in word. We read the text. Indeed, before God and all the people. And he was crucified. And what is more now? It's the third day. We can't find his body. The women surprised us. They came and told us everything. There was a vision. There was angels. They said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. And these are the very things that Jesus had spoken to them, but they couldn't see it. While God... While God always has a plan, sometimes we are not privy to his plan. And sometimes, literally, we just don't understand what he is doing at any specific time. Now, I think I have your attention. It's pretty quiet in here. The phrase, for me, there's many key phrases. They said, but we had hoped. We had hoped. Again, we can't underestimate their despair and what was happening with them. They had the essential facts but couldn't see it. It's not what they expected God would do and they didn't expect to be in this situation. They might have thought this whole thing was a failure and how could they have not seen it They might have even thought that's a misplaced hope and trust. And they could have been, possibly. It's hard to read everything in here. They might have been just a little bit cynical. Okay, what about us for a moment? Think about you and I. And it's not like they're saying, well, we had hope. How about us this evening? Well, I really, I had really hoped, and we heard this prophetically tonight, actually, to be quite honest, and we didn't compare notes ahead of time. And I wrote down a few things on my list here about the I had hope times of our life. I mentioned to the kids today, I mean, they're older kids, but, you know, I'm older now. I've made a few mistakes, and I just wish I wouldn't have. I even mentioned about my kids. I just wish I would have done some things differently. Some of us might have hoped that this stage of life, 
that our family unit might be a little bit more united. How about this one? And this is huge. I was really hoping that maybe my children would be serving the Lord with me right now. It's a hugely emotional issue. Here's another one. The lack of bearing children. Those that would want to have children, we would have hoped to be able to have children. We never did. The issue of chronic sickness. The loss of a loved one. Your spouse. Maybe you're a widow or a widower here tonight. Maybe you're still single. You've desired for many, many, many years to get married and you're still single. What about divorce? What about finance? Maybe there's some business people here that they never, they never considered that they would ever find themselves in the place that they find themselves in today. Now we'll switch gears. How about church? Okay, I've helped plant a few churches and it, all, it hasn't always gone perfectly well. I know it's hard to believe. When church isn't just quite, quite right, and yourself as a leader, and Jeremy mentioned it, physically, we're, well, I'm a little chubby. It's just the blessing of God. It's, um, actually, these aren't called, you know, like pot bellies or beer bellies. It's called an investment. And actually, some of us have just invested better than others over the years, and that's really what it's all about. But maybe physically, we seem to be okay spiritually. But what about emotionally? This is a very emotional text. The issues, church maybe, could be many things. And as we move forward, and I say we together in partnerships, to do more church planting and have new initiatives and things like that, there will be opposition and struggles because actually that's part of the apostolic. There is opposition to apostolic extension. But let me say this. This morning at the prayer time, I was looking out uh, a window or whatever, and I watched the, 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 the flag, the Union Jack, was blowing hard in the wind. It was, it was a little bit chilly for us from Mexico this morning, even though the sun was out. Come to Mexico, the sun is always out and it's not quite as cold. But the wind was blowing. But what it was blowing over were all of you. And all of you are camping in these tents. And I really felt like the Spirit of God is blowing upon Christ Central. And it's blowing over a people, especially you that are here in this, in this, on this weekend or this weekend. And I, tents are not permanent structures. It speaks of nomadic experience or it speaks of we're sojourners and pilgrims. Now we're all going to go back home to our homes. But I believe, prophetically, God was saying, this wind is blowing upon you, and I've heard people say it before, but I really think that today God said, it is time to lift up stakes, it is time to pack up the temporary dwellings, and to be launched out by the breath of God into new church initiative and plants and the Americas and churches across the earth. It's here for God to do that among you. I really believe that with all my heart. Okay. 2 Corinthians 4 says this. It says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God 
and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, not crushed, perplexed, yes, but not in despair, persecuted, but never or not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Jesus said, I will build my church, which is all of us together. I will build my church. It's a promise. I will build my church. It's his. We get to participate with him in it. And the very gates of hell will never prevail against it. And that's, a, that's good news in the midst of a lot of things that's happening. So even though they didn't recognize them, recognize him, sorry, Jesus was with them. They didn't see him. They couldn't recognize him, but he was there in their difficult time. It's the same for us. In times of tragedy or misfortune or times when things aren't going the way that they, we think that they should... And I could tell you story after story, but for sake of time, I can't, I won't do that. But our kids getting sick. My wife miscarried in Mexico. I remember one time, this was such a silly thing. I don't know if this will really work um, in translation with you. I had planted a church. I turned it over to a national leader guy. And he wasn't even happy with me about that. And so I had to have a guy come down to this from the States to actually listen to the complaints of the guy I put in as a pastor against myself. And I was in the middle translating the whole time. (laughs) Tell him, basically, that you're an idiot. Well, he says, I'm an idiot. Well, you tell him, you're not such an idiot, you're actually doing a pretty good job. He says, I'm not such an idiot, I'm doing a pretty good job. It wasn't a good time. It was kind of like this, you know, like Twilight Zone kind of a thing. Here's the first point. And the other ones won't take as long. Is that we never walk alone. You and I never, never, never walk alone. Jesus is with us in midst of everything. It is Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us in all things. The second thing that happens, and I want us to remember this too. Jesus reminds them of the story. It's a mega narrative. And he goes through, okay, the prophets. And he tells them the stories. First of all, he kind of rebukes them, but saying, how foolish you are and slow to believe. He said, didn't, didn't the Messiah have to stu- suffer? In first century Judaism, the suffering Messiah wasn't part of their concept or part of their understanding at the time. They didn't quite understand that. Foolishness just means they were a bit ignorant. They weren't using a good process of mind or understanding. Uh, They understood some facts. They had some head knowledge, but they needed to have a heart encounter. And Jesus is trying to explain that to them. They needed a bit of revival, an awakening, a remembering of stories. And so beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained everything about himself. For example, I have a lot. I'll try to go through it quickly. Genesis 3. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Genesis 6 to chapter 8. There's a flood and judgment. There's an altar. Abraham, Isaac, and Genesis 22. Exodus 12. It speaks of a Passover lamb. There's manna from heaven, actually, in chapter 16. There's a, a, there's, there's a story about a true rock in Exodus chapter 17. Leviticus, the law, speaking that he is the fulfillment of all these things. In Deuteronomy, there's, there's a text about a prophet like one of Moses. He curses everyone who hangs upon a tree. Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Psalms 40, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. Isaiah 7, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Awake, awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Isaiah 52, the suffering and the glory of the servant. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Anyway, I could tell you more. But I, when I was putting this together, I literally was getting stirred in my heart just to read all this. I was going, wow, wow, wow. And that's what I put, actually it says on my notes, if you want to see them, wow. They are huge, this is exactly how I put it, wow. They are hugely affected by this little sermon, ha, 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 I put. <laughs> this is a pretty good sermon. And Jesus is telling them all the things concerning himself. Because after all, faith does come by hearing, doesn't it? And hearing by the word of God. Do you remember the stories? We never walk alone, but what about the stories? What has God said? This is one of my favorite things in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, you can look it up, the little phrase, and God said, when he's creating everything, appears 11 times. And then God said, and God said, and God said. In Genesis 3... The serpent comes along, and the very first thing he challenges Eve on was this. Did God really say? Think about that. Talk about undermining undermining everything. And God said, and God said, did God really say? Come on. Did God really say that to you? Christ central. There's churches to be planted in villages, communities in the city and the nations. What has God said over you? What has God said about you? The prophetic, working together in partnerships, the breaking of new ground, the nations. Ask God to be ready, okay? Ask God this weekend, please, to be ready to hear what he will say to us personally and corporately while we're here. I believe God wants to do great things. I'm convinced of that. And hold on, please, to what God has said about you and to you personally, even in times past. And maybe you're still wondering if that will ever be fulfilled. Ask him to confirm to you these things, even this weekend. Remember God's promise and the wonderful things he's placed in your heart. Dream big. Have a big vision. God's with you. God's with me. God's with us together. Be impacted as well. Do you remember what he's done for you? Think about it. What he's done for us, his choosing of us. Once not a people, now the people. Once in darkness, now in light. Once without hope, now filled with hope. Once not a people, the people of God. He called us unto himself. Do you remember his kindness, his goodness, his mercy? His loving forgiveness of us, bringing us freedom from our sin. A new creation, the one new man in Christ. 
You can say amen. Actually, this is, doesn't get any better than this. Well, that, that was a nice thought. It's more than a nice thought. It's all true. We need to remember the great story and the story that God is writing with each and every one of us. And there's still, because you and I are still here, there are still pages in a story to be written with you and with me and the people and the places that we go to and the people that we encountered. Knowing that what he's called you to, he's always going to give you grace to fulfill that task. Do you remember, if you're a believer here, when you gave your life to the Lord, maybe, maybe way back when, you might have prayed something like I did in the midst of a lot of tears and a lot of brokenness. I said, God, I said, God, I am yours. I will go wherever you want me to go. And I will do whatever you want me to do. I haven't done that to perfection. But I'll tell you this. He has reminded me of that many, many times. When I felt like it's time to stop. When it might be easier to have a change of course. When you see one of your sons with dysentery laying in a hospital where there's no help. With cold hands and cold feet and fixed eyes. And then within 24 hours later he goes home totally healed. Then you say, yes, God, you are with me. The same son who got hit by a car and just broke his collarbone. You just go, God, it'll be okay, actually, when it's all said and done. Another thing that happened to me, I just throw this out for fun. Anybody ever get kicked out of a church by their own brother? That's me. I can say I was excommunicated from that church of 20. So, actually, membership was at a steep price tag. When you got 20, you don't want to kick anybody out. But my brother did, bless his heart, and it was actually a good thing. But these two were being reminded of the plan and the purpose of God. And everything was still going to be okay, and the purpose was unfolding. So, they head home, and they get there. And Jesus pretended that he was going to keep on walking. We don't know where, actually. And they invited him. They said, you can't leave us now. This is like the best thing we've ever heard. And you're just going to continue on. No, come and stay, which was custom. It was customary. You can't leave us now. They like this story. This is kind of some really good preaching. They wanted it to continue. And so he, he stayed. And the one who actually was supposed to be served with bread was the one who broke bread and served the others. And their eyes were opened. It's not the Lord's Supper. It's, I don't have time to go into that. But it, is, it isn't without significance to mention that many of the appearances of Christ after the resurrection were associated with table fellowship and an understanding of who he truly was. We don't have much time to go into that. And then their eyes are open. Bam, bam. Their eyes are like, wah. And their hearts were on fire. The message tonight is hearts on fire, eyes wide open to where God's calling us to. And these two have just seen it. And then he disappears from their sight. How unfair. Like, are you? But something had changed. So they get up. And go seven miles back to Jerusalem. And they're saying, we're not our hearts burning within us. 
while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. So they get up and they go back. And by this time, the others knew, which they kind of stole their thunder, if you think about it. They're going back with a, some big news and they get there and they already knew. It's like, oh. This is how I think. I'm sorry, but this is how I think. It says they told him everything that had happened. So he heard about we never walk alone. Remember to see the big picture and the stories and what God has said and holding on to that, not getting rid of that. And the third thing is, yes, he is alive and he is risen. It's all true. We've sang about it tonight. The Lord that you and I serve is alive and well. He is seated on the throne of God. He intercedes for you and I, even in this very moment. In our time of discouragement, on our time when we said, we had hope, we don't understand. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. I wish I would have been in a different place right now. God is still alive and well, and he sees it all. He knows it all. He's with us. He's for us, not against us. And his favor is upon us. Amen. But... I love it. As they were still talking, Jesus walks in. He says, peace be with you. Again, listen to what they say, or at least what the text says. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Peace be with you. Thinking they saw a ghost. And he says, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's me. The marks of everything. The marks of love. The marks of covenant. The marks of hope. The marks of peace. The marks of triumph. The marks of victory. And then it says he he explained things to them as well. And then he opened their minds to them as well so they could understand. He told them, this is what's written. The Messiah will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. And that's what we're a part of. Wonderful. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. And I believe that God wants to again send the Spirit upon us as a people. That we would counter him anew and afresh. That the embers would come to life. That our hearts would be burning. We'd be on fire with the purpose of God. Our eyes wide open to what he's always called us to. And there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. There's nothing high depth. There's no principality or power. There's no tribulation. There's no trial that can separate you and I from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I put, wow, incredible. I kind of preached to myself when I put down the notes. And to finish, I just put this down kind of as an afterthought. Matthew 28. Do you remember that? Something about... Go and make disciples of all nations. Remember that text? That's kind of like the last words they're hearing. Some of the last words of Christ. It's kind of like the first ones that we need to hear. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and sit with your neighbor. Go to another nation. Go across the street. Go to your schools. Go to the towns. Go to the villages. 
All authority is given to us. Go and make disciples. And the greatest thing, the greatest promise, maybe some will argue this, and you can, if you're a good theologian, you can argue with me, that's fine. We can fight over it later. One of the greatest promises ever in Scripture. Go and do all these things, and lo, I am with you always. Until the very end of the age. I am with you always. Every day. Every day, every week, and every struggle, every triumph. I am with you. So, we serve the risen, living King Jesus. He's with us. We never walk alone. Remember the big story and all that he said. His covenant promises, personal words to you. Remember, he is truly risen. The story is about the risen Lord, the triumphal Christ, with all power and authority given to us. And I put, God bless you. May God bless you and keep you and guard you. So, with that, I want us all to be still just for a moment. I personally believe, and it's not because I'm speaking this evening, I personally believe that the Lord wants to minister to us tonight. In this, we've heard prophetically about that. So if you would, would you close your eyes, everybody, please? Let's just be still. And think about, without opening our eyes, what the Lord might have spoken to you or myself tonight. But I had hoped that things would be different. And you've come saying, God, you need to do something. This is the start, I believe, of kind of like opening up new ground so what comes behind and what follows in the teaching and the prophetic will just land with perfection upon our hearts. I believe this is a real kind of a, a preparatory work of our hearts tonight before others will come and, and speak. But if you all can keep your eyes closed for a moment, and if you can just show me, just by raising your hand, you say, this word really was for me tonight. Can you please raise up your hand so I can see it? I think this would be really good to do, and I've spoken to Jeremy about this as well. All of you, you raised your hands in your seat. We won't ask you to come forward, but could you just please stand? If you say, I want to have people pray over me about this, stand where you're at, please. One, two, three, would you all just stand up? Don't even think about it twice. There's people all over the place. Stand up. You say, no, this is, this is me. I saw many of you raise your hands that... So I want us, what I'd like us to do is just look around, please. And is there anybody else? I really, I don't want to labor the, the, the point. Um, but this is really important, I think, for this weekend. 
So let's just pray, and then after I pray, I'll have you all that are close by lay your hands on these people, then I'll turn the rest of it over to Jeremy. But let's just just first pray together. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for calling us unto yourself. I pray for my brothers and sisters, all of us here this evening. We pray for our own selves. Lord, help us to recognize you in our midst. Let us understand that we don't walk alone. Help us to remember, bring to our remembrance great promises and the big story about us all. Father, help us when we feel a bit helpless with family and friends and things that just haven't quite gone our way. Father, let us remember that you truly are risen. You truly are victorious. You truly are glorious. And you do intercede for us and you've sealed it all with your spirit that lives within us. Thank you that you made your habitat with us. Thank you that you dwell within us. We thank you for that tonight, Father, in your name. And we say amen. Would you all stand, please, and get around these people that are near you and just pray for a couple minutes or a minute or so, and I'll have Jeremy come up and uh, help. Thank you very much. God bless you. Dios les bendiga.